Welcome to another episode of The Brand Called You, a video and podcast show that brings you leadership lessons, knowledge, experience, and wisdom from hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Today, it is my unique privilege and honor to welcome UAE's first female director and producer, Naila Al-Khaja, to the show. Naila, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so honored to be with you. Um, watched a lot of your episodes and this is just a wonderful platform for people like us to not just um, express ourselves, but also have our voice travel further than the geography where we are in right now. Thank you, Naila. Naila is also the CEO of Naila Al-Khaja Films. She's directed several award-winning films and TV commercials. She was declared the Businesswoman of the Year for 2020 and she's the Black Swan Award uh, she won the Black Swan Award for Women Empowerment in 2019, and we'll talk to her about that a little later. So, Naila, tell me, what would you say are three key milestones in your life or your career? I think, I believe the first milestone was when I challenged the status quo and challenged censorship here in the United Arab Emirates by tackling um, very important and grave topics mm -hmm. that people were not really tackling because of fear. And I really believe that even fear is a dance and you need to know which fear to embrace and which one to let go because some of them can kill you and some of them can actually expand you. Okay. So I chose the one that actually, what I say is I poke, but I don't, but I don't stop. Mm -hmm. So I chose one that just to poke a little bit without hurting the system, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So I, my first uh, milestone would be a film called Arabana. Mm -hmm. which is about uh, pedophilia. So it's a very uh, grave topic mm -hmm. and specifically uh, pedophilia in, in the Arab world. I shot the film here in Dubai. Mm -hmm. And once that was done, it was a milestone because it opened a lot of um, avenues for me in terms of discussion. Mm -hmm. So it was a fantastic key point or fantastic film to open dialogue. And I collaborated with UNICEF. Therefore, mm -hmm. I had that big umbrella. It was a really great brand uh, equity right. to have on board. And therefore, people started opening up about their own personal experiences. We wow. even had a radio show about pedophilia. And people opened up, like, for the first time on air, something that happened to them 30 years ago or 40 years ago. Amazing. So this was based on a true story. And this, is, this for me, would be the first uh, milestone, which, yeah. is, which is really uh, trying to be brave and, and uh, showcasing something that would have either otherwise been, uh, could have been censored easily here. Okay. And it went very successfully. So I'm glad I uh, challenged the system Fantastic. a bit. So I would say um, the second one was a letter I received, which really touched my heart and also showed me the impact of what we do, not just as women, but as filmmakers. Because mm -hmm. I don't believe like film doesn't understand gender. It understands a good story. And for me, it's a, it's a letter I received from a young Saudi girl. Yeah. Um, who is just about to turn 17 and uh, she's like I really want you to speak to my parents because I want to follow your footsteps and study film wow. and it just hit me I'm like wow this is someone I don't know who you know I don't know who she is mm -hmm. she's been following my career path and now she wants to follow the same um, footsteps mm -hmm. and it just puts this whole blanket of responsibility that right. okay this is you know I have to take this very seriously mm -hmm. because a lot of uh, young women or young girls and boys are being influenced mm -hmm. Long story short, um, she surprised me by visiting my office one day with her parents waiting downstairs in a restaurant and I had mm -hmm. to face them, okay. <laughs> tell them that okay. it's not so bad, that you know, film is a very huge domain and she could be in many different categories where it doesn't cause a, uh, any threat to them. Correct. So eventually this girl went and studied film. Fantastic. So it's the impact for me is a milestone. Yeah, yeah. Amazing, amazing. And I would believe the third one just happened recently. Um, 
which is of course uh, tackling life as a mother of twins. I am. Uh, I got my first babies at 42, which shows you that nothing is impossible. Yeah. Thank you so much. I have a gorgeous boy called Noah and a lovely girl called Dana. Yeah. We celebrate their birthday tomorrow, 12-12, so it's the first birthday. Wow. And the, that's obviously a milestone. Yeah. And, and the second biggest, I mean, the one that was linked to this is I was um, six months pregnant with them when I was shooting one of my strongest films, mm -hmm. uh, which now has its first investor attached because I did a demo. I did a 12-minute um, kind of like a trailer of my concept. Mm -hmm. And then that attracted a financial security as in, uh, sorry, that attracted uh, someone to say, well, I really like this. I want to I invest in your film. Fantastic. So, yeah. So tell me, you know, you were there as a mentor for this young 17-year-old Saudi girl. What or who mentored you into selecting films as a career? Indirectly, unintentionally, my father. <laughs> You'll probably Wonderful. deny it because he had nothing. You'll be like, I had nothing to do with this. Yeah. Well, my dad happened to be the world's greatest film collector. Okay. And when you grow in a house where you have over, you know, hundreds of films from mm. everywhere, especially India. Mm. I mean, I grew up watching lots of black and white Indian films like Sinbad, mm. Boot Polish, yeah, you know, yeah. all of these films. They actually um, built my personality as a child. So I was exposed to a lot of independent and alternative cinema as, at a very young age. Mm -hmm. And for me, that was indirectly a mentorship right there and then. And it was what made me think that, okay, and, and the passion that came within, that this is the career line that I would like to take. Wow. So, you know, from Sweet 16 in 1996 to The Shadow in 2019 to the recent UAE National Day film that I saw, which is very impressive, starting with The Little Girl, yes. you've had quite a journey. Can you share with me one or two memorable instances in this journey? I laugh because Sweet 16, I mean, because I was also very, very young when I did that film. I was probably, you know, 16 myself at that mm -hmm. point mm -hmm. in life. I, um, I borrowed the cow from my uh, neighbors, mm -hmm. like a real cow. Mm -hmm. And um, and I regret this now, but I had to spray the cow in different colors. Okay. I didn't hurt the animal, but, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and it, was, uh, it was about a, a young girl who is trying to make a music video, and she mm -hmm. had to find a belly dancer and a cow and, and, and a rope. It was very strange, and she had, and the song was following her, finding these three components and dancing around them. So it was okay. shot, it was shot on eight millimeter film. It's a very old film, yeah. but um, it it had that very strange kind of storyline. So that was my first film that I ever shot in my life on eight yes. mm. Fantastic. So you know, you do documentaries, you do commercials, and you do uh, normal regular films. How do you prepare differently for each of these three different formats? That's a great question. So when it comes to commercials, I'll ask that because it's a very straightforward one. We get commissions. So as a freelance film director, I get, um, you know, the, the production houses in the UAE, they contact me or it could be outside the UAE mm -hmm. and they send me the brief. The brief is given to them by an ad agency and I pitch for it with like any other director. Okay. Then I have to uh, give them my vision of how I want to shoot it. So what mm -hmm. we call the treatment. So once we give them the, we take their concept and we put our spin, then a director wins that bit. Okay. And it becomes a big deal because they're quite, we get comfortably like really well paid. Mm -hmm. um, so therefore it becomes very like dog eat dog world. Mm -hmm. It becomes very competitive in the advertising business. Okay. So that's commissioned work. Mm -hmm. 
When it comes to documentaries, again, it can either be commissioned, like Nat Geo's work or any other um, uh, channel in the world right. or, or funder, or it could be something that you raise yourself. These are much, much, much harder, and they're passion projects. So if there's a topic I'm you know, burning to do, whether it's a feature film or a documentary, then if I'm doing it, I have to raise the money for it. Mm. And of course, that becomes the biggest hurdle because there are a lot of different avenues to raise money, mm. but because there's no such thing as a film industry that's very active in the UAE, mm. it's very difficult to educate investors to put their money in something they have no clue about. It's okay. easier to say, you know, put your money in real estate or in the medical business. But when it comes to film, it's very mercurial mm -hmm. and not, not, and you can't really guarantee a return on investment unless you really study the project very well and you have an attached potential distributor for the film. Okay. Because distribution must be very critical, isn't it? For it's very, very critical because you guarantee some sort of exposure. Mm -hmm. You know that, for example, your film will open in 300 theaters. Then you just do an, uh, you know, a risk analysis uh, mm -hmm. accordingly. Very interesting. Yeah. So, you know, as a director and as a producer, what goes into making a great film? The script, as they say, script is king, you know, and if you upset the king, it will backfire. Correct. Or right now, I could say gender, it's a queen, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so the script is everything. It is the heart and soul of the story, of course. Mm -hmm. um, then comes everything else. Then everything needs to fall into place to create that magic cult film. Mm -hmm. And for me, is that people rush into the script phase, and that's a big faux pas because... Um, once you have a strong foundation, you can build on top of it, you know, pillar by pillar. So then, of course, comes the talented director, a producer who understands to package. And people don't know the difference between producer and director. Producer can also find the script, hire the director, package the entire team mm -hmm. and see the project. Even once the director is gone, mm -hmm. the producer is still pushing, marketing, spreading Correct. word, you know. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Absolutely. So one more question on cinema before I move to another part. You know, cinema globally has the power to influence society and cinema also mirrors the stage society is in. Absolutely. What are your thoughts on this? And this is why I call it, the, you know, it's a, it's a marketing giant, really. I mean, we would probably have, a, a, I have a glimpse of how Brazil might feel like or New York through films. You know, mm -hmm. it's a window to the world on how other cultures live. It melts down stereotypes. It really breaks them down. Mm -hmm. um, it changes the way we think or how we feel about a certain people. I have a, my own personal experience when I, when I did a film called Unveiling Dubai. So mm -hmm. this only happened when the, a German colleague of mine, sorry, a classmate of mine, actually, when I was studying in Toronto, said to me, I can't believe you guys have buildings and, and microwaves. You know, he, he really thought we live in this desert with tents. <laughs> and I mean, this was 20 years ago, yeah, so I don't blame him, right? Yeah. So the, the challenge was I flew him to Dubai. I shot this documentary with him through his perspective and mine. And it was just one, that one film. He was able to bring his entire family next year to my country. And it was the power of that film Correct. that changed their minds. Correct. So imagine if this one film was in every cinema in the world. So it has a massive impact for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Maybe not one film, but for sure one film at a time. Mm. Now, the reason I, I, I laugh when you said about your, your friend's comment, I, I hear this all the time. So when we moved to Singapore uh, and our, our children were swimming, they were very small in, in the pool. So someone uh, came and asked me, oh, you mean... You have pools in India? Oh, wow. So my wife said, no, we have a pond outside our house and that's where they swim. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so it's perceptions, you know. It's absolutely perception, absolutely. correct. So Naila, tell me, you know, when you are standing behind your camera or when you're leading your crew, 
what are some of the core values that you believe in i really really believe in empathy i think that's missing somehow mm-hmm. um i don't think we should exercise our muscles on set so to speak i think even speaking quietly and gently can make people do what you want actually it's more effective believe it or not mm-hmm. um very seldom would i lose lose it so to speak okay. you know uh very very seldom but then of course you have an assistant who does that for you okay. um i really be- Yeah. Uh, so empathy, compassion goes yeah. a long way, and I also believe that uh, my technique of leadership or directing on set is very firm. I know what I want, so I don't fuck fluff fluff around. Mm-hmm. So you know, people say, "Oh, let's take this shot for safety." I'm like, safety for whom? Mm-hmm. You know, no one's having a heart attack. I'm happy with the shot. I know the shot I took. I'm extremely happy with it. I don't need to take one for safety. It's wasting our time, wasting my producer's time, and wasting budget. Okay. So. Also, really being a director was super prepared and thorough makes the process very, uh, very much easier. Of course, I do believe in breaking rules. I believe in being spontaneous and crazy on set. Correct. But those are little nuggets here and there. It's mm-hmm. very important to be thoroughly prepared so you can have freedom to do these things and break the rules. Terrific. And when you are hiring people, what do you look for in them? Um, I look for people. Oh, this will make you probably laugh, but I look for common sense. You'll be amazed how many people <laughs> just don't have it. Yeah. So I look for common sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I look also for resumes that show me that they haven't hopped a lot. Mm-hmm. So what I call them the frog syndrome. Mm-hmm. I avoid these. So if I see someone doing like six months, then another six months, then one year, then there's something just not right. Mm-hmm. I, I don't mind if they're young and they're experimenting, but after a certain point, you can't have a 10-year resume with all these jumping mm-hmm. uh, techniques. So that's, that doesn't work for me. That's a big no-no, big red flag that I look out for. So if you're hiring, watch out for that. Okay. So uh, one more question before I move to another section. You know, this, is, this world is now you know, being run or will be run by millennials and Gen Zs. And they have a very, very different mind. I mean, you're not too far away from a Gen Z yourself. Yes. Or Gen, no, no, not Gen Z, but a Probably. millennial. <laughs> yeah. Probably. Millennial. I'm going to be 43 uh, soon. So. so not far from a millennial. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm 64. So uh, tell me, how in your perception are millennials changing the film business or expectations from the film business? Oh, completely. It's flipping the whole business on its face because there's a whole democratization of uh, content. And by that, I mean digital content. When Kodak kind of like, you know, drew the curtains closed and we knew that we're not shooting on film anymore you know digital the digital medium came and changed the whole face of our industry it means every person can make a film now we're all empowered to express ourselves whether it's on tiktok or social media all the different uh, platforms of social media people are now really speeding up the process of filmmaking that doesn't mean they're going to make quality content Correct. it only means that everyone's able to express themselves and it just becomes harder for everyone uh, to stand out it's a good thing because everyone can create content but there's a lot of um, you know stones to kind of scavenge through to find your gems here and there it becomes okay. just a harder process mm-hmm. they're also changing it in a way where they're challenging what's very comfortable for me i mean now that i'm a mother i'm like wow if my my children do this i don't know how i'm going to behave although i thought of myself as an open minded individual but the type of content that that's being made mm-hmm. has also challenged how comfortable i am with the content i also sometimes think that's a bit extreme that's a bit too much but they're very comfortable with it mm-hmm. it just shows you how we are now in the older generation mm-hmm. <laughs> it's okay. not right or wrong it's just a so. mindset okay. yeah uh-huh. okay very interesting very interesting because i see millennials are just changing the entire world 
yes. think differently. That's fantastic. So let's move to uh, talking a little bit about gender diversity. Mm-hmm. You know, you have just received the Black Swan Award for Women Empowerment. What are your thoughts for gender diversity for in, in Asia and the Middle East? This is a big one, and especially in the film industry where I can only speak about because that's my domain, mm-hmm. is we represent only, and this is really shocking, 9%, not just Asia and the Middle East, the whole world's mm-hmm. published work, mm-hmm. which means, if you think about it, that uh, you know, 91% uh, of the work is by male, uh, by, uh, by the counterpart, which doesn't make sense. You're telling me that half of the world cannot tell stories. You're telling me that they are not capable of these things, whereas we have proved over and over that we can. And all these films like Wonder, Wonder Woman and, and even American Psycho was directed by female, right. by the way. A lot of people don't know this. Mm-hmm. They all were able to turn in big uh, box office numbers very successfully. Mm-hmm. And I really believe there are three very quick things that has, uh, that's shifting now. The Me Too campaign movement really changed that completely. There's not only boys club they're trying to integrate females in the decision making rooms yeah. um, checks are not only being signed by men but also by women yeah. so i think having all these steps in mind and having us and many people like myself who are empowered to now go ahead and get their dreams yeah. on the table and make them and make people aware that we can do it yeah. i know we have to work harder i understand this Correct. but now the thing the, the 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 dynamics are shifting Correct. Uh, ashitosh they are really but- shifting but is, is it happening all over the world also? I mean, you yes. know, I think you, you're, you're one of the few female directors probably in the industry globally. Uh, I mean, our number is very, very small, but there's a, there's a, there's a healthy number of us now. Okay. Uh, whether they're in the 20s or 30s or 40s, 50s, 60s, but collectively in, in MENA region especially, mm-hmm. there's a very healthy number. And ironically, I heard something in France, which is very interesting about the Asia world, our world. They said that there's more gender equality in the Asia world than in Europe. And I thought, that's interesting. Why do you say that? Uh-huh. Because there was a study. This was in, uh, when I was at Cannes. It was in a conference. And they said, well, because we here, um, and excluding India, of course, because you guys started a long time ago. Yeah. We here started very late. We as in men and women in the film industry started mm-hmm. late. So we started together. So there wasn't that disparity. Whereas in the West, the boys club was cemented so deeply 70 years before women kicked in, in the late 60s and early 70s in the editor's room. So I thought that was very, very interesting. So maybe we will be an example, Asia could be an example, to the rest of the world where we'll have more female directors, which would be amazing. Published work. I mean, produced work, yes. Very interesting. So now let me move to uh, a few questions for you personally. Nala, so well recognized, so successful, achieved so much, so much more to achieve. What does success mean to Nyla? It means that I haven't arrived yet. Okay. <laughs> it, it's like, you know, I've been doing this for 20 years and I just felt like I just got to a level where I feel that I can play with the heavyweights. Like I just arrived, you know, because it's just been such a long journey. Mm. And this is what I mean. People should not compare their success, their timeline success to other people. Oh, he was, I don't know, successful at 23. And I don't mean by financial. It could be any. 
whatever means success uh, to you. Okay. So our timelines, my number one thing is I try not to compare my timeline with other people because mm-hmm. we all have our own pace and mm-hmm. rhythm and we have to be genuine and true to ourselves. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Gandhi started his serious timeline at 44. Uh, the KFC guy, I believe, was 60 plus. So yeah. we all have our own timeline. And for me, I feel it's now. And um, I've changed so much and I'm so glad I have because this is the perfect timing for me to take my work to the next level. Fantastic. And I'm sure you will. And I'm, I'm sure I'll be applauding from all over saying I interviewed her 20 years ago. So, you know, uh, meaning uh, I'm going to be successful at 63. Thanks. No, 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 no. I will be. Okay, <laughs> I'm, I'm joking. Sure. Just, all, all the steps you'll be taking. But, you know, I've always held creative people in very high esteem. And, and, but I always wonder. Where do you draw your inspiration from? I mean, you've got to keep thinking of new things. And uh, might sound cliche, but sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead, go ahead. Um, this might sound cliche, but my inspiration comes absolutely from my mom. My mother is the most optimistic, happiest person I've ever met, and I I say this with a with a with a very light heart because she doesn't live here in my country. She lives in Jordan, so I see her only once a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I've lived with her for a big chunk of my life. Mm-hmm. She's absolutely someone who saw adversity with a big smile. Um, If you just hear her story, you're like, you wouldn't believe this woman went through this. I would call it hell and still have such a wonderful, energetic, bright personality that's just a happy person. And she taught us how to always look for the light in the darkest room. So that I'm very grateful for that. Fantastic. You must chronicle her story on film someday. That's my plan. Actually, I actually wrote it. (laughs) Fantastic. So now let me ask you another question. You know, if you, Naila, were a role model to millions of children, and now you have two My own. babies of your own, yeah. and these millions of children closely followed you and your life choices, what is the one thing you would change in yourself? To be less impulsive. Okay. And I don't mean by being beautifully spontaneous, but less impulsive when taking uh, like decisions. Hmm. Um, whether it's a career decision or it's, uh, you know, um, life-changing decisions um, or not, even like anger, because, you know, you can be very temperamental when you're very excited and you just get very overly passionate. Mm -hmm. So I just think, you know, take your time, think about it, take, you know, people don't have, you don't have to be pushed or rushed by others. Mm -hmm. Take your time to make a sound decision and it can save you a lot of uh, big mistakes. Okay, Fantastic. I have time for two more questions for you. Um, my next question is on, on failure. Yes. You know, and I've often written, I've got a new book coming out on failure um, early next year. Uh, basically, the thing is that in Asia, also in the Middle East, we don't teach our children it's okay to fail. And yet we fail all the time. And we, we get up and start all over again. So my right. question to you is, what has been some of your biggest learnings from some of your biggest mistakes? Oh, absolutely. I failed miserably even uh, many times and it only built another skin over a skin. It just gets stronger with a more uh, tolerance level, which is fantastic. One of my greatest uh, failure is not to acknowledge opportunity when it came because of uh, egoism and uh, just the fact that you know, I didn't want to do a certain thing because, uh, you know, it hurt my ego, for example, mm-hmm. but I was much younger. So looking back, I'm like, oh, that was such a missed opportunity Correct. because my younger self was too stubborn, for example. Okay. So, uh, you know, these lessons are important. <laughs> it's exactly. good to acknowledge them and know that they exist. And then the other failure, which I'm, I'm getting better at now, is taking responsibility and not blaming the world for my issues. 
Okay. Everything that happens to us, 99% will say it's ours. Maybe 1% is luck. Okay, maybe more. But mostly it's our reaction to everything that happens to us. Okay. And my last question to you, what next for Naila? You know, be well beyond the shores of UAE, Middle East, Hollywood, other, other regions. What, what would you be looking at now? I would be looking at someone who would really... Um, hold my hands and walk uh, through the you know a journey of success with my future film because I really believe in it and I think it can go very far if it's handled uh, by the right team and I'm very excited to go and pitch it to people because I feel like it has a lot of soul but yet it's very commercially viable so it, mm -hmm. it, it's good in that way. Wonderful. Naila, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure speaking to you. Thank you so much you, for your lovely interview. Thank you. I wish you, Naila Al-Khaja Films, all the very best and a very happy birthday for the twins' first birthday coming up tomorrow. Yes. yes. Tomorrow. <laughs> no, after tomorrow, 12 12, correct. 12, I'm just 12, excited. 12. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. So please uh, convey uh, my, my best wishes. God bless them with good health. Thank and you. thank you again so much. Thank you. That's the best gift for me. Thank, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the brand called You Videocast and Podcast, a platform that brings you knowledge, experience and wisdom of hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Do visit our website www.tbcy.in to watch and listen to the stories of many more individuals. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Just search for the brand called You.